go off our way and we go and God says, oh, no, no. And boom, and something happens or, or someone, we, we run into somebody. Well, man, how do, where did you come from? And, and no, God has you know, some situation that we're trying to go this way and it ends up going that way. And we don't even know how it got this way. And then maybe weeks or months later, we think about how we got over here and we think, God, you were, you, you, that was a God's visitation. God, you, you showed up, God. Yeah, you know, he, uh, uh, he has a way of doing that. And, and, and what a, what a, uh, uh, the fingers of a man's hand writing. And Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, uh, uh, Belshazzar sees this. And, and, and oh, it's, it's, ooh, this is serious. Look at verse 7 through 9. Okay, so the king called aloud to bring in the conjurers. The Chaldeans and the diviners, the king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me will be clothed with purple, have a necklace of gold around his neck, and have authority as a, a third ruler uh, in, the, in the kingdom. Well, why wouldn't they be the second ruler? Because the other king is, is, the, is the number one, and he's number two, so he's giving up the third position in the kingdom. And then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Uh, and uh, then King Belshazzar, uh, Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. Okay, so he calls the, the, the diviners, the conjurers, the crystal ball, the astrologers, and he says, what does this say? And, and you know, these losers, we remember them previously, they can't interpret anything. I mean, we don't even know why they're still around. I mean, they, they get all, these guys all should be retired. We would thought Nebuchadnezzar would have got rid of them, but maybe Belshazzar resurrected this because if, if you believe in all these gods and all these deities and, and all, of the, all, of this, all of this paranormal, supernatural stuff, well, you have to have people to interpret all this stuff, and they don't have a clue, but, but we, we've already seen that. And, uh, uh, and then look at what he says. Hey, I'll give you... I'll give you purple. Now, understand that, that, that dye, you know, we have chemical dyes today. You know, in the day, back in this, these days, if you wanted something to be of a rich color, boy, there was a lot of work that went into that. And there was no chemical dye. It was a natural thing. And so this is expensive. No, you've you got to go to Beverly Hills to get this stuff. Those boutiques. Well, we probably have them here too, don't we? Those crazy expensive places that they say it's on sale and you just keep right on walking. You'd be like, whatever, man. You'd have, it could be Black Friday in there and there's nobody in there, right? Because it's like doesn't mean a thing to us normal folk, right? Uh, and, and you'll have a, a necklace of gold around his neck. And archaeologists have actually discovered that they, they had, you know, for the for the... Like we have the dollar sign, they have symbols for uh, uh, for their money, and they found actual gold change with really big symbols for their money. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just joking. I just, you, know, <laughs> you know, big Babylonian dollar sign. Like, yeah, man, I'm living long. Anyway, I just that's just the way I think. You know, like, you know, man, man, I get a gold chain if I could determine it. You know, what? <laughs> and purple too. Whoa, man. Yeah, okay. Now, third in command. All right, that might be, we could maybe do something with that. Anyway, bottom line is, these guys don't have a clue. And so, you know, like, like if, if Belshazzar gets any more paler, he's not going to be alive, you know. I mean, he's, getting, he's going from shade to shade to shade. It's not, not a good thing. 
um, verse 10 through 12, um, God's working. God's on the move. And this is the queen entered. And, and most people believe that this is not the queen as in his wife, but Nebuchadnezzar's um, daughter. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's, um, uh, uh, or, or more likely, um, uh, yeah, yeah, his mother, Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. Right, okay. Uh, so, so this is one who, who experienced firsthand what Nebuchadnezzar went through, her, her father, okay? And she, rem and she has this recollection. She says, The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you forever. Do not let your thoughts uh, alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the whole is is the spirit of the holy gods and in the days of your fathers illumination insight and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him and king nebuchadnezzar your father your father the king appointed him chief of the magicians conjurers chaldeans and diviners this was because an extraordinary spirit knowledge and insight interpretation of dreams explanation of enigmas and solving of difficult problems were found in this daniel whom the king named uh, Belshazzar, let Daniel be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. All right. So now I want you to notice this. Notice who's not at the party. Daniel and his, and his close friends, they're not there. Certainly they were noblemen in the land. Uh, these were promoted to the top of the administrative prophetic ladder in the land of Nebuchadnezzar. They were, they were on top of all that. And I thought, how cool is that? That when everybody thinks that Belshazzar's uh, party is the place to be. Oh, very good, Lawrence. I had, I had Bell in there and you translated that good. Uh, I, I still hi, 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 you know, um, Shorthand, all kinds of stuff. When everyone thinks that Belshazzar's party is the place to be, the God-pleasers are shut in with God. They don't need to be at the party. They're not upset that they didn't get an invitation. Listen, they're not concerned with what these other people are concerned about. Uh, their identity comes from God, not the culture. Uh, they know that this kingdom is coming to an end. Daniel's already said that. Listen, king, you're going to be replaced by, the, by, this, by this, uh, uh, this other kingdom that's going to come after you. And, you know, they didn't get invited to the party. They don't care. Man, we don't even want to be at the king's party. We don't want to be anywhere around there. When everybody else is trying to bum rush the door and trying to get in, everybody who's everybody thinks that's the place to be. You know, the people of God say, you know, we don't even care about all that. We, we want to be separate from that. We don't want to be anywhere around that madness. It's funny that Belshazzar doesn't even think to ask Daniel originally. He goes and he asks these soothsayers and these magicians, not in the sense of like slide a hand, pull a rabbit out of my hat, but in the sense of, you know, these, uh, these conjurers, uh, incantation spells, because this land was laced with, with Satanism and witchcraft. And they got nothing for him. There's mediums all over the place. They're not talking to anybody. And, and, and so, you know, he doesn't even get it invited. He doesn't even ask Daniel. Uh, you know what? In, in, had King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, listened to the wise counsel of the old leaders, you know, he would have averted a national split. Now, I know it was prophesied it would happen. 
But the queen hears and she, and she recommends Daniel. American humorist Ken Hubbard wants to find an optimist as a person who believes what's going to happen will be postponed. Listen, God's involved in this. She hears God brings to recollection. Daniel is now in his 80s. It's been a while since he's been summoned to the palace and he's okay with that because he doesn't need to be in the palace. And he's ready. He's been shut in with God. How sad that one of the most influential men in the history of the, of, of the Word of God would be ignored until the end of this young man's life. How sad that Belshazzar did not have some kind of relationship with the most prophetic, the most powerful, the, the, the most godly man on the planet at that time. And that tells you the distinction between the sacred and between that which is worldly. The, the difference between that which is holy and that which is heinous. The difference between the, the people of God and those that have no concern for the things of God. I mean, I mean, how different would this young king's life have been if he would have said, who is this Daniel and how can I meet him and how can I gain some wisdom from him? I mean, how, how sad. I mean, he really could have learned a lot. But it, we don't even know that, that he, he even knew about the existence of Daniel. And I, I just thought about this. How about us? Do, do you spurn the wisdom and advice of those who are more, more uh, mature in the Lord uh, than you are? I mean, when, 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 when someone who is around you has this wealth of knowledge because of time. I mean, they've been through the wars and they've been through the battles. They've been a Christian longer than you. They're more mature than you and that's okay. But do you, when you, when you come in, into counsel or contact with them do you absorb what they have to say or do you spurn it and say man that's the way i don't even want to hear all that stuff what a waste of treasure what a waste of talent what a waste when when someone who has so much to give and those of you who are mature in christ and maybe you're a little bit older than some of us you know we need you in the body of christ you know our young people need to hear from you you know, you're not out to pastor. You, your, your gifts and your talents, you know, we need them now more than we've ever needed them. We need spiritual grandfathers and grandmothers in the body of Christ. We do. We need you active and busy and involved and, and ministering to young people and to young Christians as well. But when you do give that advice, what do you do with it? Do you listen? Or do you go... Here we go. Here comes the God talk again. I got to quote some scripture verse, you know. Hey, man, don't quote any Bible verses to me. Well, what do you want me to quote? Shakespeare? I mean, come on. Wow. How different this could have been. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. Ooh, Daniel. Daniel, king wants you. Yeah, what's going on in the palace? I'm ready. Come on, 80 years old, still rolling in Babylon. Don't call me Belshazzar. Call me Daniel. That's who I am. 
Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you the Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought to Judah? You know, that's it? That's all you've got? An exile from Judah? Father, and it's a connotation for grandfather, more, more, you know, so that, that's okay. Um, that word father, it, it could mean grandfather as well. So and that's all he knows of Daniel. You're an exile from, that's it? Dude, you really don't have a clue, do you? Verse 14, now I've heard about you, that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom has been found in you. And so he, he sort of explains the situation and the inscription. Verse 16 says, now if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you'll be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as a third Ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, check it out, man, you got to love this. Keep your gifts to yourself. Listen, king, I don't need no gold chain with a big Babylonian dollar sign on it. I don't need no purple. And I sure don't need to be third in command to a kingdom that's sinking. <laughs> right? We now make you the third captain on the Titanic. Great. What a promotion. <laughs> Daniel, that's great. Daniel's like, go king. No, no, no. Give that stuff to somebody. I don't need all that stuff. I don't want all that stuff. You don't pay me for the words of God that I'm about to tell you. You have to understand, King, that, that I don't want anything from you. No, no. You know, you keep that. Because I don't want to at all have you think that, 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 that I'm on your payroll. I don't at all want you to think that, that I'm not, no, let's just keep this separate. Because, see, I'm separate. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Babylonian. I live here. I'm in the world, but I'm not of this world. So you just keep all of that, and we'll get. Let's establish that right now, okay? Now keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king, and make its interpretation known to him. O king, the Most High God. Here's a little bit of a history lesson. Now, he's going. He's going. He's going. Let, let me. Let me take you all back, just in case you forgot. O King, the Most High God, granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. <clears throat> and because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed. And whomever he wished, he spared alive. Whoever he wished, he elevated. And whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory and was taken away from him. He was also driven away at, from mankind. His heart was made like that of the beast and his dwelling place was with, the, was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized, and here's the theme of the book of Daniel so far, that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Okay? Remember that? You know, he starts with a history. You've got to remember your past, right? Let me, let me take you back, Belshazzar, to your grandfather and his majesty. and his. Let me take you back to that first. 
And he says, verse 22, Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Whoo! See, the man of God will come and tell it to you straight. What you do with it is between you and God. But the woman of God will come and tell it to you straight. In love, but straight. And, and nobody else would talk to this king like that. But Daniel would do that. Belshazzar, you knew all this. You should have known bit better. You had the witness of your grandfather. Surely you knew his testimony. Surely somebody told you what that man went through and how God humbled him. And he spent seven years with a wild animal, with donkeys, eating grass. He, was, he lost his mind. Surely you knew that. Belshazzar, you are without excuse. You had the testimony of your grandfather. And you spurn that. Hey, don't waste the testimony of those who've gone on before you. We waste it when we don't follow their lead. When there's a spiritual giant that's been around you and they have a testimony of what God did and you, and you push it away and you don't want to hear it, you waste that testimony in your life because he could have learned from that. But he just chose not to. He's without excuse. He knows better. Young people, you're in the church. You're growing up with the Word of God in your heart. It's not perfect. There are no perfect parents or perfect leaders. But, but you have the truth. You have it. In, listen, I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about God. When I was 15, 16, you know how different my life would have been if I would have had a house that prayed ever? <laughs> I mean, when I was 26, 27 years old, I could not tell you one scripture verse in all of the Bible. And it would have took me a while to find my Bible. But I had one. It was a little New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. And everywhere I went, I took my little Bible with me. I put it right in my little nightstand thingy there and 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 I had my statue of Jesus it, but it, the fingers were up like two or three I can't remember but it fell over and the fingers fell off I was like oh no I'm going to hell for sure now man I just dropped ah! Ah! right there on the we cool all right cool Jesus I'm gonna go over here now you know See you in the morning, maybe. I don't know. Ah, man, how different my life would have been if at least I would have had the truth. If I would have known, if I would have ha had not just, you know, right or wrong, but, but God's word to confirm what's right or wrong. And, and then if I would have had the Holy Spirit living within me, I, you know, I just think, and I don't know, I just think I would have done some things differently in my life. Now, maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know, but I didn't even have the opportunity. My kids are light years ahead of where I was in the things of God. And the things I grew up seeing, stuff I had experienced. You have God's Word, you know Jesus. And they tell me 80% of you young people when you go to college are going to walk away from the Lord? 
Where are you going to go? How are you going to live? How can that be? I understand. What I went through and what I had to learn is not what you have to go through, what you have to learn. You have your own challenges. It's different for you. You may not relate to my story, and I may not relate to yours. I'll tell you what, you have the truth. You have the truth. What you do with it is between you and God. Between you and God. It is. Between you and God. Don't waste the testimony of those who are trying to do it for you. For those who are trying to live it. No one's perfect. All of us have feet of clay. But you have the truth. Even if Belshazzar didn't know, Romans 1 tells us that he had the witness of conscience and creation. The witness of conscience conscience and creation. It says, 119, for they, know, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, even uh, through uh, everything God made. They can clearly see His invisible attributes. Isn't that great? They're invisible attributes, but you can clearly see them. I think that's great. <clears throat> His eternal power and divine nature. <clears throat> so they have no excuse for not knowing God. How can you prove that God exists you know what? When I see a building, how do I know that there was a builder? Well, the building itself proves it. Right? We're in a building right now. <clears throat> do you have faith that someone built this? No. You know someone built this. How do you know someone built this? Because the building's here. Right? You see a painting. Do you have to have faith that an artist painted that? No. You know that an artist, someone painted it. Why? Because the painting is there. When you look at creation, do you have to have faith that there's a creator? No, because you can see creation. It's like, I don't have to have faith in that. Now, you do have to have faith if you want to connect with that creator. But the, but the argument of whether or not there's a creator, just go look around you. Get outside, drive, you know, halfway to Baker. Don't go the whole way. Drive halfway to Baker. And where there's no lights, and just look up in the skies. And you don't have to question whether or not there's a creator. That's the evidence that you need. That's the witness of creation. Ah. <clears throat> Talbot said this, if God held Belshazzar responsible, uh, my friend, for the ray of light which shone across his pathway, what will he say to men living in the blaze of light which illuminates the world today? Every unconverted man in this country has more light than Belshazzar had. <clears throat> Back in chapter 3, his grandfather made a decree that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be respected and honored. And my, how far his grandson is from that. How far he has gotten. <clears throat> you've not humbled your heart even though you knew all this. Verse 23, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven and, and, they, and you, they have brought the vessels in his house before you and you, your nobles, your wives, your concubines have been drinking wine from them 
And you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life, breath, and your ways, you have not glorified. You've not. The very breath that you have is in His hands. Acts 17.28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. Verse 24 through 28. Then the hand was sent from Him. And this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mini, mini, tiko, your parson. And He says, This is the inscription of the message. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and put it to an end. Teko, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Uh, Perez, uh, 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 parson is plural. Uh, you have been weighed in the scales and found deficient. Uh, I'm sorry. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Uh, Mini also, uh, or uh, mina, is a unit of money, or it could mean a unit of money or to be numbered. Tekel was uh, a word for shekel. It could be another unit of money or it could mean weigh. Perez is the pearl for parson. And it could mean a half shekel, a half minor, or the word divided. Or it could also refer to Persia. Now, anyone who knew Aramaic could read these words. But only Daniel knew the spiritual interpretation and the meaning behind the words. The Medes and the Persians were at the door that night. Some of God's warnings are meant to bring repentance, folks. It's meant to bring a change in us. It's, it's meant for us to, to draw near. Uh, uh, in this case, there was a, a word from the Lord that was a final judgment. Uh, Belshazzar, it's too late. It's too late now. Listen, the Medes and the Persians are at the door. And you're in here in a drunken stupor. Oh. October 12, 539 B.C. October 12, 539 B.C. Verse, 20, uh, verse 29 and 30. Not 31. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. Great. Did you not hear what I just told you? No, no, king. With all due respect, I don't want to be third in command on the Titanic. Did you... Did you... I mean, he's 80 years old. He's not running. Here, whatever, throw it on me. I'll give it away to the Medes and the Persians when they bust through the gates. I don't know. Here, who wants a gold chain? Purple, it's all yours, dude. Take it home to your wife. She'll love you for it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who's third in command? Does it matter? <laughs> Does it matter at all? Ah, <laughs> uh, Well... Thank you for these ancient historians who confirm the Word of God 
Greek historian Herodotus relates that the Persian king Cyrus conquered Babylon by diverting the flow of the Euphrates River into a nearby swamp. That's a lot of work. And so this protection that they had, this moat around their city, is going like this. And you know what? No one's paying attention. Okay? And it lowered the level of the river so that his troops marched through the water and under the river gates. Listen, they still would not have been able to enter the bronze gates of the inner walls if they hadn't been left unlocked. God is sovereign down to the nth degree. Nobody locked the gates. And so as the river went down, they marched right in. 200 years before that, God said that it would happen. Let me read to you Jeremiah 51, 57. It says this, I will make her officials and wise men drunk along with her captains, officers, and warriors. They will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. The thick walls of Babylon will be leveled to the ground and her massive gates will be burned. The builders from many lands have worked in vain for their work will be destroyed by fire. Write this down, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 1, and I'll read the context. It says this. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus. 200 years before Cyrus was born, God calls him by name. And he says, This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kingdoms will be paralyzed with fear. Listen, their fortress gates will be opened never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name uh, when you did not know me? It is, for the, uh, it is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen. I am the Lord, there is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So all the world from east to west will know that there is no other God. I am the Lord, there is no other. I create the light and I make the darkness. I send the good times and the bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Wow. Wow. Amen. 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 Ah. <sighs> Verse 30, so that same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. That same night. So Darius the Mede, who was one of Cyrus's generals, received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Just like that. Just like God said. Well, woo, man. Listen, Revelation chapter 17 and 18, you can read it this week predicts the fall and rise of what we could call Mystery Babylon. 
It's this end times satanic system that will seduce the world and entice people to reject the word of the Lord and live for pleasure and self. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 51, Jeremiah 50 and 51 and Revelation 18. One speaks of the ancient city of Babylon, the other speaks of a, a, a worldwide uh, a financial, political, religious system that will come at the end times and there are amazing similarities between the two. Um, 1897, it was Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. Poet and author Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem called Recessional. And it wasn't very well received by the Queen. Um, and he warned that the empire that, uh, warned the empire that God was in charge and that pride would lead to defeat. And if I can have Joseph, you make your way up, brother, so we uh, can take of communion today. This is what he said. The tumult and shouting dies. The captains and the kings depart. <clears throat> Still stands thine ancient sacrifice and humble and contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. A strong warning from years ago. You know what? Um, today we, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving as a family. And that first and foremost, you know, that God would touch your hearts with his word. And that you would receive something today from his word. And we invite you into fellowship with the Lord. We invite you into, into koinonia, which is one of our words. We invite you into communion with God. I mean, this God that, that, that raises up kingdoms and takes others down. This God who, who calls a king by name before he's ever born. Uh, this God who, who shuts down Babylon. The most amazing city, maybe ever, really, maybe ever. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I just believe that Babylon was like the greatest city ever. And you know what? Uh, Chuck Swindoll said it's, said it's not even a stop on the railway. Now, I mean, you pass by and you don't. 200 A.D. Uh, uh, Babylon, the great city, was just was just leveled. That same God is a God who loves you and who knows your name. And the scripture says, Jesus says, you know, I, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you. And that today, that offer still stands. That God has a, has a call to whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish. But you must respond to that call. King Nebuchadnezzar did. We saw that last week. He, 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 he heard, he received the word of the Lord. Uh, but it took him a year and seven years. Right? Daniel said it. It was a year after that it happened that he spent seven years in the wilderness. And you can read this testimony. 
uh, may it not be true for you. And you know, for those who maybe you, you've walked with God, but you've been far from Him, that, you know, this is serious business. This is no joke, folks. This is no joke. There are eternal consequences. That, that I, I told a friend of mine, you know what? Man, the decisions that you make today are going to affect future generations. Your, your, your children's children will be affected by what you do right now. And maybe some of you are at that fork in the road. You know God. You have a relationship with Him. But you know you need to make some tough choices. Yeah, okay. Okay, God leads you in that. God leads you in that. So we celebrate in that communion. If, if, you, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, don't feel compelled to do this as some religious exercise. This won't protect you or, or make you okay with God. In fact, we would just say, say don't bother. And there's no, there's no harm in that. There's no, we, we, we want you to have a relationship with Christ. We, we want you to know Him first and foremost. And, and, then, and then we want you to enter into communion with Him and, and, and with, with us as brothers and sisters. When you become a Christian, you enter and you all of a sudden gain a worldwide family that you never had before. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of relationships with people that I would have never had if it wouldn't been for Christ. I would have never, never, ever had it, never. And so, so first, you know what? You may need to have a talk with God. You, you may need to, to consider kind of where your relationship. I've always sort of said, if you don't know if you know him or not, you probably don't. Okay? That's like being married. If you don't know that you're married, then you're probably not. <laughs> or somebody knows you're not married. Or, I mean, yeah, that, that's crazy, right? I mean, all right? And so, so we're going to pray. And, and if the ushers could come forward, they're going to release you to communion. But before we do that, I just want to... This is our covenant meal. We do this every month, and yet you should be doing it all the time. This is our way of remembering what Jesus has done for us and looking forward to what he's going to do today and in the future. This is our way of saying, God, we know that you're coming back. And, and this is, this is a, 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 a symbol of our meal with him. The, 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 the juice is symbolic of Jesus' blood that was shed for us, and the little cracker is symbolic of his body that was broken for us. So... Um, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, that you would be with your people. And if, if, if someone in this room needs to have a serious conversation with you, Lord, we pray first and foremost that they would do that. That they would say, God, I need you in my life. And my conscience, my spirit within me is, is yearning out for that. I'm crying out for that, God. And I need you in my life. I need you, God. And... and and that this morning, if that would be you, and you would say, you know what, God, if you, could, if you could do these things that this book says, and if you could call a man by name 200 years before he actually does what you said, God, you, then you know my name. And, and if, if you would agree and say, God, 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 I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to respond to your word today. If that would be you, or if you just not, you're at that fork in the road and you're like, God, I want to go whichever way you tell me. God, I want to deal with this issue. I don't want to be uh, like, like Belshazzar who, who, yeah, the writing was on the wall before the writing was on the wall, but he was so arrogant. He just refused to deal with that issue of pride and error. He refused to, even to the end, he refused to deal with it. Lord, that we would not be stubborn 
hard-hearted people that just refuse to deal with the obvious. We, we would not be those people. And if that's you, and you're like, God, I surrender that to you right now. Would you raise your hand if you're either one of those folks? If you're just saying, yes, I need Jesus in my life.